0: Our series, preaching series this Christmas season is on Christmas words, you'll recall, I hope. And this word today is from the original Greek of the New Testament. It's kenosis, and I'll be explaining that why kenosis is a Christmas word in a few moments. I think that we're all pretty quick to exercise our rights. I mean, I have a passport, so help me when I'm off the island. I have a cash register receipt, so I want a refund. Uh, I have an IOU from you signed, so pay me. I'm in my lane, don't cross into my lane. I voted for you, so return my call. I'm entitled to a quiet evening at home, so turn down your music. <laughs> I paid my taxes, so fix the potholes. Yeah. And all God's children said, Amen. Rights. Rights are pretty ingrained into all of our thinking, but they weren't in our Lord Jesus Christ's thinking when he took on human flesh. Christmas isn't about rights demanded, rather quite the opposite. Christmas is about rights set aside, the rights of God who became man, Philippians two one to eleven, the passage Pastor Jory read, is the classic scripture text on divine rights being voluntarily set aside by the Lord Jesus Christ. I mean, something had to give. Infinite God was stuffed into the package of finite humanity. Something had to give, and that something was the use of all of Christ's rights as God. He could have known the date of the second coming, but he has set aside that knowledge to become man. He could have destroyed Satan in the wilderness when Satan was tempting him, but he laid down temporarily the use of his divine power. He could have called thousands of angels to rescue him pre-cross, but he didn't utter that call to fulfill God's will in redemption. He could have set up his kingdom, avoiding the cross, but he did his father's will. Yes, when God was stuffed into a human package, something had to give. And the theological word for what gave is kenosis. Kenosis is a Greek word, New Testament word for self Emptying. The passage that Pastor Jury read said he emptied himself. In what regard? Well, That's what this sermon is about. In the Greek of Philippians 2.7, a form of kenosis is there, reading verse 7. But he made himself of no reputation. That's the rendering of the New King James Version. Other renderings accurately render it. But he emptied himself taking the form of a bond servant and coming in the likeness of man so the new king james renders kenosis self he emptied niv kenosis made himself nothing the amplified bible paraphrases kenosis stripped himself Greek scholar Kenneth Wiest expanded translation of the New Testament, kenosis here in this verse, himself he emptied, himself he made void. Rightly so, Wiest is stressing the grammar of the Greek in the emphatic position he puts himself because Jesus did this emptying, did this making himself of no reputation. It was an action Christ did upon himself. Will you notice that none of the translations or paraphrases I have just cited indicate that the emptying action was done to Jesus? No. Rather, all of these translations and paraphrases properly indicate that this emptying action, this kenosis, was something that our Lord Jesus Christ did to himself. Therefore, God the Father didn't empty Jesus. God the Holy Spirit didn't empty Jesus. Jesus' parents didn't empty Jesus. Jesus' disciples didn't empty Jesus. Jesus' enemies didn't empty Jesus. And most certainly, Satan did not empty Jesus. Amazingly, beautifully, tenderly, Jesus made himself empty. Jesus made himself nothing, of no reputation. Jesus set aside by his own decision, he set aside the use of some of his divine attributes and prerogatives and rights. This makes the Lord Jesus' kenosis all the more impressive and all the more precious to the child of God. He was no victim of incarnation. He was a volunteer. God becoming human was a voluntary choice that the Lord Jesus made, which included self-emptying, which included making himself of no reputation, which included suspending the use of some of his divine attributes. One of my Greek professors at Dallas Seminary, Dr. Dave Lowry, translates the idea and defines kenosis like this, quote, Christ did not avail himself of his own resources, but worked his miracles in dependence upon God the Father and through the Holy Spirit, end of quote. So let's pick up our passage at um, Philippians 2, verse 1. One And I'll pause as I'm reading through the first 11 verses to make some comments. So let's look at the first three verses of Philippians 2, the first three verses. Therefore, if there is any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any affection and mercy fulfill my joy by being like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind... Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. Beautiful verses. Because the Lord Jesus Christ had no selfish ambition, he emptied himself to accomplish the first Christmas advent. And because the Lord Jesus Christ had no conceit, he made himself nothing. Nothing. To become human. And because the Lord Jesus Christ was humble in lowliness of mind, he condescended to be among us. Even to be among us without the use of some of his divine powers, prerogatives, and rights. We read on in our passage to, starting again at verse 4, a passage again about Christ self-emptying, his kenosis, starting at verse 4. Let each of you look not only for his own interests, but also for the interests of others. Let This mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, did not regard it robbery to be equal with God, but, here it is, but made himself of no reputation, or but emptied himself, taking the form of a bondservant, and coming in the likeness of men, and being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself, and became obedient to the point of death, even... Even the death of the cross. So, exactly, what was our Lord Jesus' attitude before Bethlehem? What was his attitude during the miraculous incarnation of Advent event? What was the Lord Jesus Christ's attitude after being born to the Virgin and bursting on human history's scene, incarnate, a fusion between God and man? What was his attitude? These verses tell us our Lord Jesus was in the first place not grabby with respect to the use of his rights as creator God. Jesus was not grabby with respect to the use of his rights as creator God. I see that in verse six. Who being in the very form of God did not consider it robbery to be equal with God. The Lord Jesus Christ was not grabby with respect to the use of his rights as the creator God. Number two, the Lord Jesus Christ was pleased to consciously make himself of no reputation or to empty himself, why, so as not to use all of his rights, not to use all of his powers as God. He never ceased to be God in the incarnation. He was always 100% God, fused to 100% humanity. But in that fusion, in that incarnation, in that kenosis, he was pleased to consciously make himself of no reputation, to consciously empty himself of the use of his prerogatives and rights and powers as God—amazing. Verse seven teaches us that, but made himself of no reputation, as I've been saying, also can be translated, emptied himself. Why, how? Taking the form of a bond servant, and coming in the likeness of men, mankind, human, humanity. So in the first place, Christ's attitude, he wasn't grabby with respect to using his rights as creator God. He also was pleased to consciously make himself of no reputation so as not to use his rights and powers as God while on earth. And three, Jesus Christ was volunteering. He volunteered to become a human bond servant. You know from the Old Testament that a bond servant was a slave within Israel's society, who had to do master's bidding. And every slave in Israel's law was given freedom and emancipation in the seventh year of being a slave. A slave for six years, a seventh year given emancipation choice. And then as a released or could be released slave in the seventh year if that slave concluded that he or she could not have a finer, more benevolent kind and providing master than they had, they could opt, they could choose, they could decide to be a bond slave. Not just a slave, but a bond slave. And a bond slave voluntarily made him or herself that so that they were not given any more options after every six years to be emancipated. They didn't want to be. They wanted to do their master's bidding until they died because they loved their master and their master loved them and they knew it. Jesus Christ, Lord of Lords, King of Kings, Creator, God, Redeemer, volunteered to become a human bond servant to his father. A king. Who firmly, resolutely deserved to be served by subjects, and one day he will be in the millennial kingdom. A volunteer to become a human bondservant, a king, the actual king who served his subjects. How many kings do you know served their subjects? Jesus Christ, king of kings, in Kenosis, chose volunteered to serve his subjects culminating, crescendoing in crucifixion but that's not all The Lord Jesus' attitude was not a grabby one with respect to using his rights as God. It pleased him to consciously make himself of no reputation so as not to use all his powers as God. He volunteered to become a human bondservant, a king who served his subjects rather than a king who demanded that his subjects serve him. And fourthly, the Lord Jesus in Kenosis totally, was totally, totally, completely, undilutedly obedient to his Father. Christ's total obedience to his heavenly father reached its highest mountain height via the lowest valley death depth. Death. God couldn't die. God is spirit. But when God the son became flesh, when God the son became human, humanity fused to deity, then God was capable of dying and God was willing to die. Not just any death. The most ignominious, torturous death, the most shameful death devised by mankind. Totally obedient to his Father, Christ's total obedience to his Father reached its highest mountain via its lowest valley depth, death, but not just any death. Jesus didn't die of old age, of course, not just any death. (laughs) the humiliating and torturous slow and public death on a roman cross verse 8 and being found in appearance as a man he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death even death of the cross the worst death the death that even the romans only reserved for the most vile of criminals Beth and I would visit Alabama regularly when Beth's dad and mother in retirement lived there. And I was in a restaurant when our son was young. He was seven. And we went into the men's bathroom. And there was a dad and his young son in the bathroom already. And the dad was washing his little boy's hands, and he was wearing a full Marine Corps uniform. The incoming little lad noticed that the soldier dad didn't paper towel off his son's hands. And to the embarrassment of the civilian dad, his boy told the soldier dad to remember to dry his son's hands. The embarrassed father said to the son, Son, don't tell a grown up what to do. The Marine replied quickly, It's okay. I'm told what to do all day. It's my job. The incarnate son of God's job was to do what his father told him to do. Who to heal, how to teach, when to pray, when to teach, when to raise the dead, When to be betrayed, when to go to the cross. It was the incarnate Son of God's job to do what his Father told him to do. We are learning and seeing that kenosis is a very important Christmas word and theological concept. So let's unpack kenosis just a little more. When we say and understand that our Lord and Savior made himself nothing, when we understand the scriptures to teach that Jesus Christ emptied himself, what do we mean? At least five things. Number one, kenosis means that Jesus gave up his heavenly glory while on earth he set aside his own enjoyment of the eternal and glorious proximity to his Father in heaven. We know that the Lord Jesus gave up his glory for a time because persons could look on him and not be consumed by his holiness. Remember Moses asked to see God in Exodus 33? Do you remember what happened? God says, hide in the cleft of that rock And I'll pass by you with my hinder parts because my implication, my frontal attributes of wrath and holiness and righteousness will consume you, Moses, if you see those. Hide on those rocks and I'll pass by you and all you'll see is my back. We know that our Lord gave up his glory for a time because those that saw him and spent time with him, were not consumed by his holy glory because they were sinners like we are. John 17, 5 gives a window into all this. And now, O Father, Jesus is saying, and now, O Father, glorify me together with yourself with the glory which I had with you before the world was. So kenosis, among other things, means that Jesus gave up his heavenly glory while on earth. Secondly, kenosis means that Jesus gave up his independent authority while he was on the earth. Matthew 26, verse 39. He went a little farther and fell on his face and prayed, saying, O oh, my father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me, nevertheless not as I will, but as you will. In Gethsemane, just before the cross, our Lord and Savior bowed in yieldedness and prayer to his Father's authority. Jesus willingly set aside his authority as the second person of a triunity and said, I am going to bow, yield, surrender to the Father's. Authority when it comes to the matter of the cross. There's more. Kenosis means that God gave up, Jesus as God, gave up his ability to always display all of his divine attributes. He gave up the ability to always display all of his divine attributes. Christ willingly submitted himself to the Holy Spirit's direction. When our Lord Jesus did display his divine power, it was because the Father okayed it and the Holy Spirit directed it. For example, Matthew 24, 26 is an example of God the Father not okaying God the Son's demonstration of the Son's own omniscience, all knowledge. Matthew 24:36 But of that day Christ's return but of that day and hour no one knows not even the angels of heaven but my Father only that's an example when God the Father didn't okay God the Son's demonstration of the Son's omniscience. But there's another example in John 1, 45 to 49. And this example, God the Father okayed God the Son using his divine attribute of omniscience. Listen, John 1, 45 to 49. Philip found Nathaniel and said to him, we have found him of whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, son of Joseph. And Nathanael said to him, can anything good come out of Nazareth? Philip said, come and see. Jesus saw Nathanael coming toward him and said of him, listen, behold, an Israelite indeed in whom is no deceit. Nathanael said to him, how do you know me? Jesus answered and said to him, before Philip called you, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. Nathanael answered and said to him, Rabbi, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. So what are we saying? We're saying, among other things, that kenosis involves Jesus giving up his heavenly glory while on earth. Kenosis means that Jesus gave up his independent authority while he was on the earth. Third, kenosis means that Jesus gave up his ability to always display all of his divine attributes. And we come to the fourth thing that's true about Christ. kenosis. Kenosis means that Jesus gave up his eternal riches while he was on earth. Jesus was homeless. He said he had no place to lay his head. That slaps in the face of prosperity theology. God only wants you healthy, wealthy, and rich. Really? God's son was homeless. When he isn't a home, it was because there were followers of his that were loving and hospitable to him, like Lazarus and Mary and Martha. <laughs> Jesus Christ, in his time on earth, was homeless. Homeless. And he had very, very few earth-tied possessions. They gambled for them, actually, at the foot of his cross. Kind of flies in the face of the pastors on this island that tell you if you just have enough faith and give enough money to their ministry, you'll be blessed with manifold financial return. It's not scriptural. That's a genie in a bottle. That's God as a vending machine. That's God with a contract with the people he's mercifully saved. We do this, Savior, you owe us that. Uh Uh-uh. Kenosis means that Jesus Christ gave up his eternal riches while he was on the earth. He was homeless. He had very few earth-type possessions. And he was reliant on the financial support of donors who believed in him, who loved him, and who followed him, and many were women. 2 Corinthians 8, 9. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that although he was rich in heaven... Yet for your sakes, he became poor on earth through incarnation and kenosis. Why? That you, through his poverty, the scriptures call Jesus poor in material things and money. That you, through his poverty, might be made rich. Not with the Scotia Bank or the Royal Bank or the Commonwealth Bank, but that you would become rich spiritually. Redemption, indwelling of the Holy Spirit, purpose to bring glory to God, forgiveness of sin, answered prayer. I could go on. That's how we're rich. Not this other nonsense. You must be out of the will of God because you're poor. No, Jesus by the measurement of finances, was poor. God says so right here. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that you through his poverty might be made rich. That's the Savior. That's kenosis. Fifth, kenosis means that for a few, fateful, Difficult hours on the cross. Jesus Christ gave up his previously unbroken, perfectly profound, harmonious relationship with his heavenly Father. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Pain, disorientation, price paid. For a few fateful hours in agony on the cross when the Palestinian midday sunlight went jet black as night, Jesus laid aside his eternal, perfectly harmonious, tight, loving relationship with his Father in the Trinity because he was bearing our sins. 2 Corinthians 5, 21. For he, the Father, made him the Son who knew no sin to be sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Not in us. You can't give enough to the poor to be righteous. You can't serve in this church enough to be righteous. Neither can I. But we know righteousness as a grace gift when we Repent from sin, self, and Satan, and turn to the Savior in faith, and his righteousness is imputed to our accounts. That's how it happens. And when that righteousness is imputed to the believer's account, he or she better live righteous, because they are righteous. We are righteous, so live it. Flesh it out. Don't be a contradiction. Don't be a hypocrite. Don't be one whose life doesn't line up with his label. Christian. Jesus Christ in kenosis for a few fateful hours on the cross, bleeding and dying for the payment of our sins, Jesus gave up his previously unbroken, profound, and perfectly harmonious relationship with his heavenly father. Kenosis is a a Christmas word. (laughs) You could write it on your Christmas card or your email, your Christmas meeting on email or Instagram or wherever you do that kind of thing. What if you said uh, happy kenosis to you? Merry kenosis. I think raise some eyebrows. Cause some spiritual conversations. Kenosis is a Christmas word, make no doubt about it. The Christmas word, which must, this is it, which must prompt our sincere worship of the Savior, and that's what tonight's about. Tonight is not being entertained. Tonight is not to leave us impressed with our music pastor and a choir, although they have worked mighty hard, and what they produce are going to produce tonight with God's help for God's glory is excellent. But what tonight is about is worship. Stepping out of whatever we may do otherwise. Shopping, online shopping, writing Christmas cards, baking Christmas things. Stepping out of that for a special night tonight. To worship the Lord Jesus. The babe of Bethlehem who became the savior of the cross and empty tomb. And You should have lost people here tonight. You know, in this country, even we call ourselves a Christian country, that there are holly and lily people in this country. They only show up at church on Christmas and Easter. I'd add Mother's Day. People you live beside, people you work with, people who are in your family, People who are your friends, people who are your teachers of your children, people who do services for you, like deliver your aqua pure water. Those kinds of people might come tonight if they never want to be in this sanctuary any other time except Mother's Day and Easter. Invite them, give them a ride, help them be here tonight. This place should be full. This place should be full. This place should be full. And so kenosis is a Christmas word which should and must necessarily prompt our sincere worship of the Savior. And while on earth, the Lord Jesus Christ willingly gave up his earthly glory, his independent authority, his ability to always display all of his divine attributes, his eternal riches, and his previously unbroken harmonious relationship with his heavenly Father. Major Ian Thomas, now with the Lord, pointed out that Christians like us can be so sinfully different than our Savior with respect to his kenosis." This is what Major Ian Thomas say quote, "Imagine the Lord Jesus Christ, who is never less than God, walking this earth as though He was nothing more than man. how different that is from us, we who are never more than man, treading the globe as though we are nothing less than God." Hmm. Yeah. May it never be. To make this truth of Christ kenosis a living truth that we need to mimic in some manner, not just at Christmas, but year round, I want to share a true story with you about believers who emptied themselves of their rights in a political sense, and who saw God exalt them. We know that 80% of the town of Melaboth in Achaia was destroyed by a Tusami waves, and eighty percent of the persons also died. This is one of the towns that was hit the hardest. But there is a fantastic testimony from Malaboa that the town we are about to talk about saw 400 Christians saved from the tsunami. They wanted to celebrate Christmas on December 25th but were not allowed to do so by the Muslims of that town. They were told if they wanted to celebrate Christmas, they needed to go outside of the city and up on a high hill and celebrate Christmas there. Because the Christians desired to celebrate Christmas, the 400 believers of the town left the city on December 25th, and after they had celebrated Christmas, they stayed overnight on the hilltop. As we all know, the morning of December 26th, there was an earthquake followed by a tsunami, waves destroying most of the city, and thousands were killed. The 400 believers who were on the mountain were all safe from the destruction. Those believers who didn't say, I'm going to send my lawyer on you on this one. I'm going to protest and picket the government, not letting us celebrate Christmas as our right on the 25th because they laid down those rights. Still to worship God. They went, were sent to the top of a hill. There they went. They worshiped Christ, and the tsunami hit the next day, and thousands were killed in the valley, and the 400 on the mountaintop who yielded their rights to God were spared. What does God want you to yield? A lawsuit against another person? Money that someone in this congregation owes you? People to like you at your work? What right would God have you to lay down voluntarily as you mimic the supreme example of Jesus Christ, the God-man, laying down and self-emptying and making himself of no reputation? I'll leave that with you. What a savior. The lyric of the Hymn Down from His Glory has always been so special to me when it's sung. It's not sung very often at Christmas. Listen to these words Down from His Glory, ever living story, my God and Savior came, and Jesus was His name. Born in a manger, to His own a stranger, a man of sorrows, tears, and agony. What condescension bringing us redemption! That in the dead of night, not one faint hope in sight. God, gracious tender, laid aside his splendor, stooping to woo, to win, to save my soul. Oh, how I love him. How I adore him. My breath, my sunshine, my all in all. The great creator became my savior and all God's fullness dwelleth in him. Without reluctance, flesh and blood, his substance. He took the form of man, revealed the hidden plan. Oh, glorious mystery, sacrifice of Calvary, and now I know thou art the great I am. Oh, how I love him. Oh, how I love him. How I adore him. My breath, my sunshine, my all in all. The great creator became my savior and all God's fullness dwelleth in him. Lord, may our response to your kenosis be one of genuine, life-consuming and shaping love. Worship to have no other God's little g before you, Jesus. Not money, not college, not a girlfriend, not health. No idols before you, Lord Jesus. Even as you have self-emptied, to make our redemption possible. May our response to you be love and worship and witness. And may all that show up tonight at 6.30. And we ask these things for our good, but mostly for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen.